Hello, friends. Uh, welcome once again to the Foundry Church podcast. My name is Joseph. I'm the worship pastor here at the Foundry Church in Winter Springs, Florida. We've finally done it. We've made it to the end of this series, The Many Faces of God. We've been taking a look at the Enneagram, uh, this wonderful little spiritual tool to help us understand ourselves and our fellow human beings and ultimately the nature and the character of God a bit better. We started with like a setup week and then we walked all the way through the nine types uh, within the Enneagram and we're wrapping up this week, week 11, with um, uh, really kind of a lot of practical things, a, a ways that that, um, that the diving into the Enneagram and, and learning about ourselves and others can help us in our day-to-day lives, our interpersonal relationships, and also in the ways that we, that we see and experience and reflect uh, those various aspects of God uh, back out into uh, life around us. So we hope that you enjoy this message, the final message from this series, The Many Faces of God. What are we talking about? We're closing finally. Finally, we're getting to the end of the series that we've called um, The Many Faces of God. This is bizarre. I feel like I just want to be like down here. Um, the Many Faces of God. What we've been doing is, is looking at Matthew chapter, well, taking the spiritual growth tool known as the Enneagram and helping it to do what Jesus tells us to do in Matthew chapter 22, where he tells us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbors yourself. And so um, we, we've been going through this, this stuff, and, and I've gotten some pretty good feedback from, from many of you. Uh, I, I have had several of you say, like, wow, this, st- this stuff is, like, helpful. And I was like, yeah, that, <laughs> that was the goal. That's actually what we're trying to do here at church is, like, give you things that are helpful. Uh, and then I've had some of you say, like, I feel seen. I'm like, okay, good. Yes, it means it's working. I've had some of you say, like, I still don't really know what I am. I've had some of you say, like, I know what I am, but, like, now what? And so I figured today to wrap this up, I want to address, like, some of this stuff, right? I want to get into some of the details on some of this so you can help. uh, This will help me, hopefully, help you to see, like, how useful this can be, give you some maybe new insight. Maybe it will answer some questions that have been rolling around. Maybe help us to understand, like, the practical nature of all this stuff. So, uh, I, I want to start with, like, you're not sure where, where, where you're at, like, not sure what you are, right? The truth is, with this, if you're feeling like you may be more than one type, the, the quick answer is you're probably a six or a nine, okay? So the nines who can see everybody's perspectives, you may be in there, or you may, like Joe even said this morning, like the sixes, there's, they're, they're struggling with some things internally. So you could be a six or a nine. Also, what you have to keep in mind is that if we are created in the image and the likeness of God, then the reality is, is that all of us have a little bit of all of it, right? Which may contribute to some of your dilemma of sorting through it. The other thing to keep in mind here is that you have to remember with each type, you're connected to four other types. So one person is like kind of directly connected or entangled with five of the nine types, right? So if you're, if you're the six, you're, if your primary uh, type is a six, you've got the seven and the five wing. One will be more dominant than the other. So you've got one, two, three. And then you've got your path of integration and disintegration, the nine and three. So that's five five different aspects of like these personality types that are all like kind of working together. They're all working together and they will reveal themselves in different sort of ways, right? So yeah, there's a lot to sort through. So let's say like, um, let's say you're an eight 
Let's just for fun, let's say you're an eight with a nine wing. An eight with a nine wing, the way that that personality will manifest itself will be much different than an eight with a seven wing, right? The eight with the nine wing, they will, they will say the tough thing, they, they, will, they will have the hard conversation, they will push back, they will challenge, but because of that nine wing, they will do it like in maybe like a, a slightly more caring sort of way. Like they don't want the conflict of the, and the tension because of the peacemaker side. But the eight with the seven wing, they will challenge, they will push back, they will say the hard thing, and it may come across like a bit more like edgy. It may be, it may be a bit more like um, harsh a little bit, but also because of that seven wing, they will move on much quicker, right? So each type will have a slightly different flair depending on its wing. There's also this whole other layer that we haven't talked about that is the, the, um, the subtypes. So each, each type will also have uh, the potential for three subtypes, which will be social, self-preserving, or like the one-on-one subtype, which means that affects all of it as well, right? We don't have time for all that today, but I just want you to be aware of all the things because this is like, this is a complex, in-depth tool that is so very helpful on, on, a, on a whole bunch of different uh, like levels and, and, and reasons. The big question that you may be asking is like, so like now what? Even if I know what I am and I figure what I at, where I'm at, like what's the point? What do, I, what do I do with all this, right? That's what I want to talk about. And, and why I think this is so great, and we've kind of alluded to this like a little bit every week, is that in theory, this should help us to learn to love God better. This should learn, uh, help us to learn to love others better. But not only that, but when you think about how when we talk about God's intended reality, right? Shalom, completeness, teleos, right? We talk about there are these four key relationships found within God's intended reality. The proper relationship with God, the proper relationship with the self, the proper relationship with others, and the proper relationship with all of creation. And so what's great about this like Enneagram tool is that I believe it helps us to address like three of those four components. It helps us with our relationship with God, with the self, and with each other. So I want to look at those kind of categories and, and maybe give a little bit more details and maybe this will help flesh this thing out a little bit more. Am I clipping out? Do you hear that? Okay. So uh, our relationship with God. Genesis 127 says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We're familiar with this. We are created in the image and the likeness of God. But God is this like infinite, mysterious being that we cannot see, touch, or feel. So how are we supposed to know and be in relationship with this infinite, mysterious being that we cannot see, touch, and feel? Well, there's a few different ways that we can come to know God better. Well, we've been given this text that is the Bible that speaks to who God is. In, in, in Romans, Paul talks about how creation reveals to us who God is. We know that God has sent the Spirit, so the Spirit informs us and reveals to us things about God. And if you are created in the image of God, then you are a part of revealing who God is to like the rest of us. Right? So because God is infinite, mysterious, and you cannot see, feel, or touch, you have the Bible, you have the Spirit, you have creation, and you have you that, help us, that helps to inform and reveal who God is. Like, this is, this is important. Like, there, there's no, God is so vast, there's, there's no, like, one thing that will capture the essence who God is. Like, it, we need all the things to fully help us understand God better. So the Enneagram is helpful because it helps us to identify that primary God component of ourselves in order for us to put that particular aspect of the nature and character of God on display. 
So as we go through the ups and downs in life, as we face various aspects and difficulties that we go through, it's nice to know, at least I think, that there are these bits of the divine that I'm surrounded by that is found in the various people in my life. Right? So if I'm struggling to feel safe and secure, if I'm going through something and, I'm having, and I need just like a, a hard truth about something, then I need to find my eights. I need to lean into my eights. I need to draw into them so that I can experience the love, the protection, the truth of God. That person does not become my God, right? They, they are simply providing for me this tangible expression of these divine attributes. They become the vessel through which the divine can now operate. Or maybe I'm like in a low place and I'm, and I'm struggling to see the value in myself. Or, or maybe I'm like going through some stuff and, I'm, and, I, and it's like I'm, I'm drowning essentially. I'm struggling to keep my head above the water. I need to find my twos. I need to lean into my twos, my helpers, that they may come alongside of me, that they may give me a hand, that they may not just remind me but show me God's unconditional love. So if you've ever had the feeling like, where's God? Where's God in this? Or could, could, could God like show up and help me? Or like, I feel like he, God hasn't been showing up or like whatever the thing is, God has placed all these bits and pieces of God's self within the people around you. And when you can learn to see this and recognize this, it helps you to know that you are surrounded continually by the goodness, by the love, by the hope, by the creativity, by the wisdom, by the faithfulness, by the joy, by the protection, and by the peace of God. Right? You see, and if you know, like, kind of the types of your friends and family, then all of that is just like a text message or a phone call away. That gives me a lot of, like, confidence and, and, and peace to know that it's all there. For me personally, like, I see and experience the peace of God in my mom, who is the nine, right? I, I see and experience the deep love and, and, and nurture of God in my wife, who is the two, who is the helper. I see God's hope and creativity in my dad. I see God's generosity and acceptance in my brother. I see God's power and protection and justice in my little sister, the eight. I see God's faithfulness and courage in my other little sister, the six. You see, when you're, when you're surrounded by each other, we're surrounded by these various aspects of the nature and character of God. These things that have been placed within each and every one of us, and when we understand this, it should help us to grow and strengthen our relationship with this vast, mysterious God. Helps us in that relationship. It also helps us in our relationship with ourselves, right? Uh, Genesis 1, uh, 2, 25 says this, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. They had the proper relationship with God and with themselves, right? Because of their oneness with God, there was a oneness, there was a wholeness to their being. There was no shame. Now, don't raise your hand here, but how many of us carry a sense of guilt or a sense of shame? Maybe it's occasional, maybe it's a continual feeling of shame or, or, or a continual like, feeling of not enoughness. This is something I think so many of us deal with on a regular basis. And we live in a world in which we are endlessly comparing ourselves with others, right? And things like social media, that doesn't really help our case either. It's like we're looking at all these photos and videos from people's lives and, and, and we see and we hear about what all the people around us are up to and what they're doing with their lives. And we have this thought like, 
man, they really have their life together. And how come I can't be like them? Or how come I don't fit in? Or how come I'm so weird? Or how come I don't have enough? And we get so caught up in measuring how we don't measure up to them that we miss out on the gift that is us. We miss out on the gift that is ourselves. We miss out on how the divine has been placed in you in order to reveal a particular aspect of who God is, right? So for me, throughout this series, I've tried to like not reveal directly what type I am in a way to pretend to be objective. (laughs) No, all the types are good. Right? As a way to pretend to be objective. And because it's also a very fitting response for my type. Now, because I'm going to use a, uh, like personal examples here, I figured it was just time to, like, to tell you where I'm at so that you will know because I can speak better from personal experiences. So I'm a five, which is the observer. I'm a five with a very... Can I get an amen from the fives? A couple? There's like two of us. Three of us? Yeah. Uh, I'm a five with a four wing, a very strong four wing, the individualist, right? So the five is the thinker, the four is the feeler, which means I am always at like struggling with this tension between the head and the heart. I have very deep emotions, but you'll never know it unless I'm preaching and then I cry randomly and I'm like, I don't know where that came from. It just happened. That's the four wing that just comes out. I don't know why. And so for a long time, I've struggled with like, why do I feel weird all the time. Like, I just, I can't, I struggle to do, like, the normal things. If, if like, everybody is taking a right at the intersection, I, I will go left just because they're going right, right? Like, I do weird things, and I'm like, why, what is wrong with me? Um, in the office, if it's somebody's birthday, like, on the staff, uh, Patty will pass around the card, and everybody just signs it. Happy birthday, love Joe. Happy birthday, love whoever, right? I can't just sign it. I can't just sign the card. I don't, I don't know if it's the, it's the four wing going like, oh, yeah, I have to separate myself and be better or something like that. It's a weird thing. But I, I, it will take me 10 to 15 minutes to write out a card, and I take up like half of the card, and everybody's on this side, and they know at this point, like, give Seth half the card because he's going to write. And, and it'll be like some stupid story or just something I made up, and it doesn't even make sense, but it'll make me laugh, and I'll think it's funny. So I, I, I write that whole thing, and I sign it. Patty will sometimes, if we're in a hurry, she'll come in, and she'll hand me the card, and she'll go... Just sign the card. And I'm like, you know I can't do that. So she huffs and leaves and gives me about 10, 15 minutes, comes back. Like I, I, it's like I talked about in the first week. I, I struggled with a long, for a long time with my calling and my purpose. I grew up watching my dad preach every week, and I got to see like the energy and the joy that he derived from being around people on a Sunday. And I'm like the opposite of that. Right? Like, I love what I do. I love you guys. I love this time that we have together. But this time exhausts me. And so when we leave here, I go eat lunch. And then I go home and I nap for, like, at least two hours. <laughs> yeah, let's, it's like a long, long nap. But this is, like, my day is spent after this moment. And for a long time, I thought, man, like, am I even supposed to be doing this? Because what we're always told, like, you should be energized by the things you're doing. If I'm not energized, then I'm not doing the right thing, which means this is sucking my energy, which means, like, like I, shouldn't, I should be doing something else. But then when I learned like that I was this five, what I found out what, about fives was that like they struggle with energy levels. And so I have to really pay attention to that. And so like a lot of interaction on a big scale, like that can really take it out of me. And this has helped me to see that just because I function differently than my dad in this role, this doesn't mean that this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Like that has brought me a lot of peace. 
That has brought me a lot of comfort. That has brought me a lot of like, oh, it's o- no, it's okay. This is just a part of how I am. Now I know that. Now I can deal with it. This is also why I struggle to see things in black and white. <laughs> the five, like everything is so very gray for the five. And, 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 and it's frustrating sometimes. I wish I could see things in black and white sometimes. It would just make things so much easier. Like just pick a side. It's either this one or it's that one. I can't do that. I, I, can't, I can't do it. Uh, the other day, me and the boys were watching, uh, we, were watching a, this is, we were watching a documentary on the universe, which is always great fun for a six and nine-year-old. <laughs> so we're watching this thing, and, and of course, they're talking about like, the, the creation of all things. They're talking about you know, the Big Bang and the age of the universe, all this stuff. And so in the middle of that, my son goes, so dad, like, what's up with like, the Big Bang thing? Like, cause, is that true? Because like, the Bible says this, but then there's this. And I was like, oh, Lord, here we go. Like... So I go, that's a great question, man. People have been wrestling with this stuff for a really long time. I go, there's actually a lot of different, a couple of different ways to think about it. Some people say, well, the Bible says this. It's a seven-day literal creation, and that's how it goes. So the earth is only a couple thousand years old. But some people say that based on the science, it's actually 13.3 billion years old. And then some people are like kind of in between. They go, it could be a little of both. We're really not sure. No one was actually there, right? Not only that, but when you start talking about the Bible, you have to consider like, like some people have different understandings of the Bible. Like, um, like some people think that the Bible is like a literal account on the, on the very first couple of opening things of Genesis. But some people say it's actually a poem. And then if you're talking about that, you also have to talk about how we understand time, because how do we understand time? We understand time by the rotation of the earth in relation to the sun, but then when you look at the story of creation, the sun, moon, and stars weren't created until day four, which means how do we know that the first three days were full days, and then what does that do for everything? And this was like a 10-minute, this was like a 10-minute lecture to my son, to which he said, uh, I'm going to go outside and play basketball. Like, why couldn't I have just given him a simple answer, right? Like, why, like, just, just, Seth, just pick one, just, just pick one, right? So the things that I used to see as, like, these deep flaws or this weirdness within myself, like, why can't I just be like everyone else? I've, I've actually come to learn that that's part of, like, my various gifts. And when I understand that, when I use it properly, it helps me to reveal, hopefully, a particular aspect of who God is. So knowing this has helped me immensely to come out of some of my shame, out of my insecurities, which has helped me to like, love myself better, which has helped me to appreciate the things that I saw as, as, as negative. Right? It's helped me to have the proper relationship with the self. The Bible says they were naked and they felt no shame. They were seen in the fullness of their being, and they were good with who they were. Did you know, like, this is how we were intended to live without the shame in the fullness and the wholeness of ourselves. And so as I've done this work and as I've, like, explored and, re- and done this, like, interior sort of sorting, it's helped me to let go of some of that self-consciousness. No, no, buddy, you're okay. Be who you we're created to be. Like, imagine if we could actually live with the understanding that my job is really just to be the best version of myself that I can be. So this helps us with, like, this kind of stuff. In John 10, 10, it says, like, for, uh, Jesus says, I've come that you may have life to the fullest. Living in shame and insecurity is not the fullness of life. Not only that, when Jesus says, love your neighbor, what are the instructions he gives with that? He says, how does he tell us how to do that? Love your neighbor as you would love yourself. Maybe the problem that we have in giving love to one another is, is that we, 
struggle to love ourselves. Maybe if we would learn to love ourselves the way we are better, we could learn to love others the way they are better, right? Maybe, maybe the reason so many people are like so very judgy and critical of others is because we're judgy and critical of ourselves and we haven't learned how to love ourselves fully yet. So I think this helps help with the relationship with God. I think it helps with our relationship with ourselves. And I think this helps with the relationship with others, right? It help, this, this, all this stuff helps us to see God in one another, helps us to see the need that we have for one another. And, and there's a whole lot of like, pr- like practical application stuff here that helps us like interact with each other better, which may help us to love each other better. So uh, let me just, uh, on a practical level, right, let me tell you how this has helped me. So let's take my son, the same one that asked me about uh, the Big Bang. Um, here's what I know about him, right? I know he's very loving. I know he's very kind. I know he's a very gentle spirit, like super helpful, super thoughtful. I also know he is hyper competitive, like insanely competitive. Like he can't let things go. He can't play just for fun because you have to win or else why are we playing? I also know that he is very much a rule follower. And if there is a rule in a game, it must be followed. There is a right way to do things. And if you are not doing it the right way, he's going to get a bit upset about things. So the other day we we were at my parents' house and we were playing this like wiffle ball game, right? Whole family in the backyard. He was on my team. I was the all-time pitcher. Our team was winning because I'm really good at wiffle ball. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) The losing team is having an issue right now. So we were way ahead, and so I thought, well, you know, like, let's let me throw, like, nice, easy pitches so they can get some hits, so they can get on base, so they can get some runs so that, like, the game will be, like, more fun. Right, so I start kind of just lobbing him in there, and they start getting a few runs, and my son notices. He's like, what, what's this? He's like, Dad, what are you doing? Right, like he notices that his dad is like essentially tanking the game, and it starts to like really bother him to the point where like he's getting worked up, he's getting emotional, like his eyes are getting red, and he's like, Dad, you're not even, you're not even trying, like what are you doing? You're letting them get runs. Like I bobbled a ball, and he's like on my back about it, like hey, you could have caught that, that would have been the third out, and he's like really, really bothered till eventually, and we're because like, we tell, keep telling him it's just for fun, it's just for fun, we're just having a game, it doesn't matter, this game matters nothing in the, in the like scope of the world, but he's like, it's so heavy and so personal for him. So eventually, he walks into the woods a little bit and just stands. And his tears are coming down his face. The poor guy, his dad, let him down. He did, like, it was, it was just too much. Like, he wants to win he wants to achieve but also like if you're going to play like follow the rules and you're not following the rules because like the, the you should. so as i've observed thing which is what the fives do i've realized that i believe my son i believe 
that he is a two. Super helpful, super thoughtful, super, super kind, very willing to do whatever he needs to do. But he also has that achiever wing, which means he's very competitive. He has to prove something. He has to win. He, has, he gets the best grades in our house. He does the most chores in our house. He does everything the most. But he also has this one side, this one wing that comes out from time to time that is like the perfectionist. That is, there's a right way to do things and you are not following the right way. So when it comes to communicating with my son, I am very mindful of like all of this stuff. I'm very mindful of all of these things because like I, I, I've learned yelling at him doesn't work, right? What I do with him is I speak, I am honest, I am direct, I try to use reasoning, I try to help him see maybe something that he didn't see himself, because if, that, if, if he knows or if he believes that his father is upset with him because he did something wrong, because he didn't do it the proper way, it will wreck him, right? It will wreck him. With the other two, I can scream and yell and threaten them as much as I possibly can and, and threaten them to like an inch of their life, and it like doesn't, it just rolls off. Like it goes, I don't know where it goes, but they don't hear it. It has no effect on them whatsoever. So th they're a different story. But for him, I know that like I have to be mindful of this. And hopefully as he continues to grow and develop and gets older, and like hopefully this will help him, this will help me, this will help me to help him. Right? So this to me is like invaluable when it comes to how I interact and relate with my kids. It's also invaluable when it comes to how I interact with my wife. My wife is a two. She's a helper, right? I am the five, which means I'm the observer. And if we are not mindful of this, it can cause a lot of problems. But learning about this has been super helpful for at least for me. I think it's been helpful for her too. So uh, the Enneagram Institute is a great resource for, uh, for the, by the way, for like your types. They have like a long description of each of the types. And one of the really cool things they have on there is like compatibility. So if you know what you are, you can go in there and if you know like what a family member or spouse or whoever partner is, whatever, you can go in and go, okay, I think they're this. And you can, it'll show you how these two types like relate and interact with each other. Show the strengths, the weaknesses. It'll show like, like the, the sticking points. So the things that you gotta be aware of, all this stuff. And so this is actually how I figured out what I was. So if you don't know what you are, but you know what somebody next to you is, just go read like their type and the compatibility. So I, I was struggling between a couple of different types. I, I knew my wife was a two. I read how the two interacts with a couple of different types. And when I came to how the two interacted with the five in times of conflict, I was like, Holy smokes, this is us. This is us, it's right here. It shows us how we function. Like this is, this is like a giant relationship hack, right? Like figure this out. And so what we realized was we give each other problems. So, okay, so we, let's say there's conflict, right? So there's conflict and as the two, she's the helper. So she's helping as a way to be validated, right? So I'm the five, I'm observing. Um, and, and, and so if there's conflict, um, she wants to know that we're okay. She needs to know that we're, she needs to be validated and affirmed in her two-ness. As the five, what I need is a little bit of space, right? So when, when conflict comes, I, <laughs> I go, hey, give me some space. I, I need to like sort through and wrestle and work all this stuff out in my head. But then the problem is, is that because she needs that validation affirmation, she gets, she draws in. 
And so then I get frustrated because I'm like, I just need space, so I move back. But then she gets more upset, so then she gets closer because we have to figure this thing out. And so our natural mode of operation when it comes to conflict is essentially like a dog chasing its tail. And we're just going in circles, both getting more and more frustrated with each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When we learn this, this was immensely helpful because she was able to go, oh, oh, this is why he's an idiot, right? Like, this is, this is the problem. And, and it, like, it helped us to see, like, we see things from two vastly different perspectives. And when you're not aware, I mean, you kind of know this, but when you're, like, not in tune with that, you're just like, you're an idiot. What's wrong with you? That's what, she doesn't say that. Uh, she probably thinks that she didn't say it verbally. She's good about suppressing some things. But so, um, right, like, but, but when you, like, acknowledge that and you understand that, you're like, oh, okay. This is, this is why she responded that way to something that I didn't think was really a problem, right? And, and so it's really been a great help when it comes to avoiding conflict. And what she has learned, what I have learned is, okay, she has to go, there's this conflict. He needs a second to huff and puff and sort. Okay, great. But I need to realize that once I get done huffing and puffing and sorting, I have to come back. I have to draw back into her to affirm, uh, to affirm her and, and, and make sure like, she knows it's, it's all good. Right? And that's been huge in helping us navigate conflict. It's also been super huge in helping us to like, avoid conflict as we've learned how we each function. It helps us to avoid conflict. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you could uh, use some help or would like some help in learning how to avoid conflict in your various relationships? It's all right in this stuff. It's fantastic. Now, here's the thing. Every type of every combination, every type of combinations will have their own various hiccups, their own various issues, right? The reason I'm not giving, I could give you a bunch of examples like, what if it was eight and a two? What if it was a three and a six? What if it was a three and a one? Whatever. Like, I could go through all that. The problem is, I can't speak to the depth and complexities of your relationships the way I can to mine. And also, the chances are, whatever pairing I pick, it will be somebody in here and you'll think I'm talking about you. So I'm not going to do that, right? This stuff is also helpful in just like our day to day life, okay? Like, let me give you an example. Uh, and I say this with, with love. There's no ill will, here. ill will here. I hope you understand that. So um, the, the last weekend, I helped the men's ministry do some moving, right? And so we got there, and, and we got the U-Haul. And um, as the five, I'm observing. I'm seeing everything. I'm seeing the people that walk out with their kid. I'm seeing the people that are getting up to go to the thing. I see all of this, right? Like, it, even if you think you're sneaking out and I just keep going, I see it. Yeah, you're welcome. So anyways... So I'm, I'm watching, and, and there's like 10 or 15 guys there, and it was great. We had a great time. And of the 10 or 15 guys there, I know like a handful of their like Enneagram types. I know we had a one. I know we had a nine. I know we had a seven. I know we had a six. I know we had a five. I know we had a three, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking through this as we're getting ready to go into the situation to move. So we get the U-Haul. The U-Haul gets backed up. And then um, what happened was is that the nine ended up in the back of the truck, and I thought, huh. This is going to be interesting because the nine is the peacemaker and they don't do well with conflict. And if you've got all these guys that are bringing all this stuff all at once, like I just thought oh, this might not be the best position for him. And I, but you know, like I trust you can do what you're going to do. So he gets in the back of the truck and everyone starts bringing stuff and I'm watching. And I'm like, I could see maybe there's, he's starting to get a bit overwhelmed because the nine can see everybody's perspective. And when you're loading a truck, you just need one perspective, not everybody's perspective. And when you have 10 guys in a particular place, you're going to have a lot of perspectives. You know what I'm saying? So I can see he's getting a bit overwhelmed. And then all of a sudden, like before I know it, 
all of a sudden there's a three. The three comes in, the achiever, the one who's going to get the job done because it's not going maybe as fast as he thinks it should go. So the three jumps in, the nine gets out of the way, and he starts just, we're just slamming stuff in the truck at this point because we got to get it done. And then the seven starts helping the three because they're going to go along with it. And the seven's like, yeah, 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 just bring it, just bring it. And then at one point, I think the seven got himself trapped because he was like trying to climb into grandma's attic in the U-Haul, you know what I'm talking about? And he get himself trapped because he was so excited just to be a part of it. And they get him out, right? Now, eventually, look, they got the whole thing done. We had a great time doing it. I applaud all the efforts. It was fantastic. It was wonderful. But if I was going to like, like quarterback this, you know, like in advance or like armchair quarterback, what's it called? Like Monday morning, you know what I'm saying? Like after the game, here's what I would do. Okay. Here's what I would do. I would take the one who was inside and organize and I would put them in the back of the truck. I would make the one be the one who's like tetrising the, the, the stuff, right? Because that's what they're good at. They will get that truck and spot, like it will be exactly how it needs to be. They will do a great job. I would left the seven with the one because the seven will help out and just go along with it because the one has a plan. So if the seven is good with that, that's fine too. But only for a certain extent because if this one is too critical, then the seven might get over it and they'll leave. But anyways, he was doing a good job. And then I would bring the three inside, the achiever, and I would have him, I would have him inside motivating and inspiring and lighting the fire on all of us, right? And hopefully that would help the five from observing to like actually carry stuff, you know what I'm saying? And then, and then I would bring the nine inside as well to give emotional support and nurture to everyone who might be getting frustrated at the three's amount of energy, right? Like, and then we would add this really nice balance to this whole thing. Not, not that there was anything wrong with it. I'm just saying like, maybe there was a different approach we could have used, right? Still had a great time, still got the job done, but I just kept thinking like, Oh, I wonder if we actually use this stuff to our advantage, if it might be helpful, right? All this to say that when you start to get a handle on this, I really do believe it helps in our understanding of our relationship with God, helps us to have the proper relationship with the self, and helps us have the proper relationship with each other. I mean, imagine, imagine what it would be like if we could like really begin to see life through this stuff. Like, Imagine what it would be like if we were able to lean into and organize in various situations or group of people using something like this. Imagine, imagine if we could learn to see the deep value of our differences. If we could see the deep value of our differences, rather than allowing our differences to divide and separate and create problems, if we could use our differences to like build each other up and strengthen each other if we allowed our differences to bring us together. Imagine if we could learn to see the deep value in our uniqueness. Yeah, we're not the same and that's okay. People spend so much time and energy trying to be someone and something they're not. We spend so much time looking at the areas in, in our own lives in which we are lacking, having the thought, oh, I wish I could be more like them. I, I, I wish I could do more of that. And we do so much of that that we totally overlook and undervalue our own giftedness. And I think the result is that in doing so, we minimize the divine aspect of God that God has placed within you for a reason. You were created to be you by God. So we need you to be you. Be the you that God created you to be. Stop trying to be like others. We need that divine characteristic in you to be revealed in this healthy, positive way that reveals to us the nature and character of God. And maybe if we could learn to like love and appreciate the fullness of our being, we could learn to appreciate 
the fullness of others' beings, right? Like, we don't have to play the comparison game. In fact, playing the comparison game diminishes and undermines your individuality and the divine characteristic that God has placed within you. Now, imagine what it would be like if as a community of believers, we could learn to embrace our own gifts. If we could learn to embrace the gifts of others. If we could learn not just each other's strengths, but also each other's weaknesses. And not for the sake of judgment or criticism, but for the sake of support and encouragement. That where I am lacking, you would have the ability to step in and step up and like fill in that gap. And where you were lacking, somebody else would be able to step in and step up and fill that gap. It's almost like if we could actually function like this, it creates the potential for everyone to live to the fullest of their potential, which to me sounds like kind of a great place to be. It sounds a lot like what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians when he's talking about unity and diversity in the body. Look what it says here. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all in its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the gift, uh, given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now let's pause there, because I want to show you, I got, I got one more thing to add to our, to our art project here. So this is a chain that's been made out of all of the nine different colors. And I know you're probably not thinking who did it because you assume I didn't do it and you're correct. <laughs> Elise Trindle made this for us, this beautiful chain. All the nine different colors woven together in this beautiful little chain. And so I thought maybe this chain for us can represent like the beauty of our differences coming together. Showing that, you know, actually these differences are actually quite pretty and they actually are beneficial and it's not all the same. I also thought that maybe this chain could help represent the beauty of what it might look like for us to, to honor our differences and to show the oneness and diversity of the body. So I want to finish reading this passage with this thing in mind here. Okay, so let's continue on. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker, uh, to be weaker are indispensable. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there would be no 
division. So that there would be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. But if one part suffers, each part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. I mean, imagine if we could take this and actually live this out. Imagine the kind of world we could create if we chose to honor our differences and to lean into each other's strengths rather than compare, rather than see all the ways that we are lacking, rather than think that our differences are what's wrong with the world. It's almost like it would create this beautiful picture of wholeness, you know, kind of like what the Bible talks about. You see, we are the many faces of God. We are the many faces of God who created us and whose image we've been created in. We need each other to be the best version of ourselves that we possibly can be so that we collectively form a more complete picture of who God is. And there it is. Uh, it's been a, a kind of a long journey over the last two and a half or three months. Uh, but we hope that it has been as good of a journey for you as it has been for us. I know, f uh, just speaking for myself personally, um, you know, having having looked into the Enneagram before just on my own and and uh, already seen the value to actually uh, to, to have spent the last 11 weeks uh, kind of going through it step by step and, and really uh, pausing to look at and examine uh, each uh, Enneagram type along the way uh, has been very beneficial for me. It's been the source of a lot of really good conversations with people uh, in the lobby after church. And, um, and again, we just hope that that's been the case for you as well, uh, maybe in your family or your group of friends uh, who maybe have, have been going through this journey with us uh, over the last 11 weeks. That will wrap it up for the many faces of God. We've got a new sermon series starting next week. Uh, where we're going to be spending five weeks in one parable uh, that Jesus told. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that as well. We hope you are too, and we hope we will see you back here at the Foundry Church Podcast. Have a great week.